Welcome to the teaching ministry of pastors Carl and Cheryl Thomas. Our favorite verse is Habakkuk 2.14, for the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Consumed by that revelation, we are committed to recognizing, resourcing, and releasing high-impact ministries resulting in global glory, transforming lives to impact their world. We have a teaching that will impact you today. Now, let's get right into that word. Well, it's good to see you. We're doing our series on Uncomplicated. And, uh, you know, the Apostle Paul, uh, if you read the Apostle Paul's writings, there are certain places where he says, I, not the Lord. There's times where he said, I'm going to share with you something. And he says, I, not the Lord. And you remember that time he said, it's better that you be single. And he, there's times where he was given his opinion. And there's times where he said, now, now I'm going to share my opinions now. So this is I and not the Lord. And so there's times where you have to, there's some, some good advice. See, there's two parts to the gospel. There's good news and then there's good advice. Right? And sometimes the good advice in their day wasn't the same as it really wouldn't work out in our day. But the good news is eternal and it's the good news. So, so I say all of that because today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach about uh, cancel culture. And so uh, some of this is I and not the Lord. <laughs> so I, I just want to say that so, so that I don't get canceled today. Because you saw the preacher, I don't know if you saw the guy online. I think he was preaching about uh, relationships and preaching about family and he's trying to give some advice to women and it didn't go so well. I don't know if you saw that or not, but I saw it. I don't want to show it to you again. It was rough and apparently he's been sent to counseling and uh, he experienced some cancel culture right there. So he got moved on anyway. So I was showing it to Cheryl saying, should I show that on Sunday? It'd be really neat. She said, no. Uh, so he uh, got canceled from my sermon too. So, But hey, uh, you know what? Uh, I used to do food service. used to sell to high-end uh, white tablecloth establishments and all kinds of things. So uh, a lot of those places, they have food critics. You know, when you got the food critics, if the food critic comes in, the whole restaurant goes on panic mode. And they run and tell the chef, oh no, he's here. And what an amazing job to be a food critic. You walk in, you cause fear. The chef's going to give you his very best. You get served the best. Everything happens great. You walk in, you have such control. And you know, your words have incredible power because you can, you know, you can say things that really affect the future of that restaurant. I mean, that's just crazy stuff right there. Eh? So I got a couple of reviews from uh, 2018. From You can go to the website. It's eater.com. How many already are subscribers of eater.com? Just me. I guess I'm big on, I'm big on the eater, eater, eater.com. I like that. You know, so Cheryl watches Food Channel all the time. The problem is Cheryl finds Food Channel is like a, it's a substitution for actually eating. So she watches a really good meal and says, oh, that was so satisfying. I went, are we going to make it or did we just watch that? Like, I thought that was a really good idea. Let's do it. Just, I'm full. You know, so I, I don't know. It's, it's not a, Food Channel's not a supplement. You know what I mean? It's like a, it's a suggestion for things we could create. Anyway, that's just me. Here's, here's some. I gave you a couple. I, I, I was going to put a whole bunch in, but I narrowed it down to my favorite three. Uh, the top of that, uh, well, they're reviews, but they were kind of nasty from 2018. So at this restaurant, they put V and they put you know, you go in a restaurant, it says, if, you, you know, if you're a vegan, you know, here's this. And so, so this review was at this restaurant. There's V for vegan, there's GF for gluten-free, there's DF for dairy-free. I think they were missing a few, though. There should be TF for taste-free, JF for joy-free, and AAHW or YWEH for abandon all hope ye who enter here. <laughs> like, that's a rough review, you know what I mean? So that's like, ouch. I mean, how many of you read that review would consider maybe maybe passing on that place? Yeah. All right, all right. Here's another one. I had to take one of the words out. It was a bit offensive, so. 
the sprinkling of gold flakes lent a top note of and it was the good part the skin had an off-putting tang and a rancid flavor which seeped into the dried out meat and left a greasy feeling on the roof of my mouth like that of a demonic clown from it that it could not destroy it caused like a demonic clown in my mouth that i could not destroy that was that was funny uh, yeah, give me this, try this one, one more, one more just for me. The initial flavor was bland, quickly followed by a fetid ammonia-like tang. It was an aroma that recalled room temperature hamburger meat from a grocer that lost its power. I felt my eyes water up as I chewed, I tried to swallow, I felt my entire GI tract prepare to purge. I got reservations for this place later on today. That's kind of rough, isn't it? So, so there's some people who got real ability for cancel culture. We're in a series on relationship, and we're in relationships. And, you know, the body of Christ is relationship. We started with this quote right in the first sermon, that no one is born hating another person because of the color of his skin or his background or his religion. People must learn to hate. You know, that you've got to learn to hate. You were taught to hate. Caroline Leaf says you've got to be taught fear. You've got to be taught to hate. You're not born. It's not your natural bent. You're not created that way because the Father did not give you a spirit of fear but love and power and a sound mind. So that's who you are. So the nonsense in this world, you literally, you, it, it's put on you. You learn to hate. And if they learn to hate, they can be taught to love. For love comes more naturally to the human heart than its opposite. Amen? You know, love is way more natural. Even Caroline Leaf said love is your default. And you know, love is not hard. And fear is not who you are. Hatred is not who you are. We have a, a gal in this church. Her name is Joyce Powell. Many of you maybe have never met Joyce, but I get the joy of taking Joyce to her doctor's appointments and doing different things with her. Took her to one the other week that she didn't know. She didn't know doctors now were doing phone appointments. We got to the doctor's office, locked, and finally somebody did show up. We broke our way in and said, Joyce has got an appointment. They said, it's on the phone. I went, oh. On the phone, a doctor's appointment. I had to take Joyce. I said, well, tell the doctor we'll be home in half an hour. So I had to take Joyce back home. But Jack, Joyce is from the West Indies. Joyce has known me my whole life. She was part of our church in Toronto. I was born in Toronto. She was there, saw me dedicated and everything else. Her sister went to church there, and uh, her sister had a little son named Ricky, Ricky Powell. And Ricky was my friend. I grew up, I never, I've never known a time where I didn't go to church with Ricky. Ricky lives in Richmond Hill now, but the odd time he'll visit and come here. You know, Ricky, well, his parents were black, the family was black, Ricky was black. And I never knew what it was like to not have a black friend. And he wasn't my friend because he was black, he was my friend because he was Ricky. And I thank God that I actually grew up in churches in Montreal, I grew up in churches in Toronto, and I never understood, because uh, I didn't see Ricky as black, I just saw him as black. And in our churches we had leadership that were from, from different places in the world. We had, we had different, different leaders and elders who were from the West Indies and people who were from Africa and our leadership team that, that I grew to love and understand. And I'm, I'm saddened that some people have had uh, narrower opportunities and, and didn't get exposed to a broader aspect of this beautiful world we live in and therefore think differently towards people that are different. And they're not different. They're your brother. They're your sister. They're your yeah, friend. Amen. And so uh, we, we want to make sure that there's a culture here uh, where we don't silo in, in any way in our own little community, but we are wide open to every expression of what God has created. 
For beauty and clarity to be revealed, there needs to be context. And we talked about that example, like a diamond ring. If you got a diamond, you set it in a, a diamond setting and you want it to show off, you want it to go bling. You want it to be really great, right? So the family of God, it says, God says, I hold you in my hand like a royal diadem. He's saying, I'm holding you forth. You are a demonstration of my wisdom and of my love. He says, I put you in my hand to show how great I am. And the body of Christ is the vehicle that God is using to reveal his wisdom to the world. There's no other way he's going to do it. It's through the church he's going to demonstrate his power, his wisdom, his understanding, his greatness. They will know you are believers because you have love for one another. And we're going to manifest the love of God. God has chosen to love the world through you. He gave his son a body, and that body contained a, a revelation and it contained the anointing and the power. Because of what Jesus did, God could now flood and fill man. Now because of what Jesus did, God Almighty has permission to fill every single person who wants to receive it and believe it with the very glory of God. And so now we are here to manifest God's goodness in the earth. There's no other way. He's not going to drop in through the heavens. He has bound himself to reveal himself, a body I have prepared for myself, and it's us, the body of Christ. And therefore, if we are the only vehicle to manifest God's goodness, we better do it right. Sometimes the church needs a food critic. You taste terrible. I went to this church and it tasted terrible. You know, down in the States, I saw on a thing, pastors are actually graded for how, how decent they're doing. You can actually check out the rating on the pastor. I'm like, my God, I hope that doesn't come here. I'm so insecure. People here don't vote online. They just vote with their feet. I just never see them again, you know, so... Anyways, God bless. But we are the family of God. Titus 3, 10, 11 says, after, after a first and a second warning, have nothing to do with a divisive person. Can I get an amen? amen? Wow, that's harsh, isn't it? I thought we're supposed to love everybody, be patient with everybody. I mean, didn't Jesus tell Peter, forgive, you know, not seven times, but seven times, 70 times, me keep on forgiving. Peter's response to that was, increase my faith. You know why? Because he said, that's tough. Who can do that? And he says, you can. But you see, when you step into the new covenant and you're baptized in the love of God, you can love others, not just love others, but with the love of God, you can love others as he has loved you. Amen. And that's new covenant love. It's not you striving to be a better person. It's you letting your person be transformed by the power of God and you are a new creation manifesting his goodness and his grace. Hallelujah! <laughs> All right, so, but listen, it says, you know, here we are in community, and Titus was written to Titus, who went to Crete. Now, if you understand Crete, have you ever heard somebody say you're a Cretan? If you're a Cretan, it means you're, you're, a, you're a slug, you're a, a, a brute, you're just, he said, they're evil brutes. He said, Cretans are always liars. Like, every time they open their mouth, how do you know when a Cretan is lying? They open their mouth. You know, it's like, boom. And so this is where Titus was sent to establish the church, and he said, Titus, after a first and a second warning, have nothing to do with someone who is divisive. And refuses to be corrected for you know that such a one is entwined with his sin and stands self-condemned not not condemned by us but if you refuse to be corrected oh my goodness you just gotta you just gotta break relationship with that but you know what warn him once hey on. second time whoa third time say, look we can't we can't amen fun stuff let me read it from the message just to blow it up a little if you want to <laughs> If you, I want you to put your foot down. Take a firm stand on these matters so that those who have put their trust in God will concentrate on the essentials that are good for everyone. Now put your foot down about what? Put your foot down about the Judaizers, about the people who come in and say you gotta keep the law. The people who come in and say, you know, you know there is Jesus, but there's also law keeping. 
That's what Paul was talking about. He says, put your foot down on these people. They're divisive. They're causing confusion, and they, they just won't get it. They refuse to be corrected about their nonsense. He says, put your foot down. Take a firm stand on these matters. Uh, uh, those who have put their trust in God will concentrate on the essentials that are good for everyone. Stay away from mindless, pointless quarreling over genealogies in the fine print of the law code. That gets you nowhere. Warn a quarrelsome person once or twice, but then be done with him. Amen. It's obvious that such a person is out of line, rebellious against God by persisting in divisiveness. He cuts himself off. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. <laughs> I mean, wowzers. Amen. Amen. We're taking a vote at the end of the service to see who gets voted off the island. <laughs> wowzers, isn't it? Wow. All right, Saul. Saul wanted to cancel David. David was anointed to be the next king. Saul's chucking spears at him. I want the guy. We, we got a lot of places in the scripture where people were trying to cancel people. Leaders wanted to cancel Daniel. They didn't like Daniel. They were jealous of Daniel. And the, but they knew that Daniel will always honor his God. He's consistent. He's faithful. They developed a plot to try to get rid of Daniel. I mean, the brothers wanted to get rid of Joseph. They lied to their father, said he got eaten by a lion, brought back a bloody coat, and Joseph, cancel! You're out of here! You know? Jonah wanted to cancel Nineveh. God says, go to Nineveh. Preach to Nineveh. He jumps on a boat and goes for a Riviera vacation. You know, and then God brings him back and says, I knew if I preached to them, they'd repent and you'd forgive them. It's because he hated Nineveh. Because he was a bigot and he was a racist. He didn't love people. Jonah wanted people who he didn't like to be canceled. Judaizers wanted to cancel Paul. And Paul, you know, he was taking away all their toys. All their, I've been keeping the law my whole life. I've been working hard all my life to be a good person. And now, pastor, you're saying it's all about Jesus and not about my good works? You're taking away all my self-righteousness. Praise the Lord for that. Well, Paul was taking away all their self-righteousness and saying it's only Jesus. They said, are you kidding? I've worked really hard to be a nice person. And now you're telling me it's all about Jesus? Hello? Let all the Judaizers say, All right. All right. The Pharisees wanted to cancel Jesus. And they, they really thought they did. But you can't keep a good man down. Amen. Boom. The church wanted to cancel Martin Luther. Martin Luther came out again. All the law keeping, all the, all the paying for your sins to be forgiven, all the nonsense that happened in the Roman Catholic Church that just messed up Martin Luther. He said, I, there's never enough. I'm never good enough. I'm ne and then he went, the just shall live by faith. Faith is through it, righteousness comes through Jesus alone he got that revelation and so the church wanted to kill him I mean there's people still having a hard time with the revelation of Martin Luther the just shall live by faith yes faith and no just faith yeah but there's and right but no if you had anything to the gospel you just created a different message and it says when you do that you you take the power of the gospel away careful you're gonna give people permission to sin you have to give people permission to sin? I've never done that, but they're very successful at it. Amen. You know what deals with sin? The goodness of God. Yeah. It's the goodness of God that leads to change, Amen. to transformation and repentance. You know, I, if I could have changed myself, Jesus didn't, I'd die for me. If I could have changed myself, Jesus could have stayed up there and I said, just give me a few more minutes, I'm getting better. <laughs> you, you can't, you cannot do it, you can't. So a lot of, a lot of cancel culture in the Bible. So I thought I'd better look up cancel culture. I better look it up. Now I have to tell you, I knew I was preaching the sermon in January. 
we laid out the schedule where we're going and today it was written on my schedule and circled cancel culture on this day I'm not preaching this because of some of the things we've seen the last few weeks I'm preaching this because God told me two weeks ago all right that's what I'd like to say amen but it's happening how many think the church should at least be relevant to what's going on in the culture well, Merriam-Webster's dictionary in 2021, they decided that they're going to put this in the dictionary this year. So they define cancel culture as the practice or tendency of engaging in mass canceling as a way of expressing disapproval and exerting social influence. They say Webster's, Merriam-Webster's dictionary says it's the first use, the first common use began in 2017. And yet people have been canceling people for a long time, right? I mean, I went to a car dealership and they couldn't get it right. They gave me a car that the, all the electronics wouldn't work. I took it back so the electronics wouldn't work. They said, well, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. He says, you know, and we don't know why, but we'll find out soon. And when we find out, we'll fix it. I went, man, that's like telling me you got three toilets in your house. Some work, some don't. And we'll let you know which one you can use. I mean, I bought a car that's supposed to have safety features, backup features, camera in the back, camera in the front. They go, yeah, well, it doesn't work right now. Well, then I want you to give me my money back. They said, why? And I couldn't believe it. I mean, I had to go through. And I could tell you which dealership that is, but I'll tell you this. I'll never go back there because I've canceled them. <laughs> I mean, I've canceled restaurants. I try not to cancel people. <laughs> I try. <laughs> you, you, you can't do that. All right, no, Urban Dictionary. Urban Dictionary also has a definition for cancel culture. I like the Urban Dictionary. It says it's a modern internet phenomenon where a person is ejected from influence or fame by questionable actions. It is caused by a critical mass of people who are quick to judge and slow to question. Quick to judge and slow to question. It's commonly caused by an accusation, whether that accusation has merit or not, and it is a direct result of the ignorance of people caused communication technologies outpacing the growth available knowledge of a person. The communication technology has outpaced the growth in available knowledge about a person. How many found out something about a person, then you met them and found out what you heard wasn't true? There's at least three of me out there. There's the wonderful man who never does anything wrong. That's not me. There's the guy who can't put one foot in front of the other, just mean and nasty and ugly. That's not me either. The real me is right here. It's me. I'm awesome most of the time, you know? I need love. I need mercy. I need help sometimes, so... That's me. So that's what, that's what that's all about. So just some definition. Bill, Bill Maher, last Friday night, Bill Maher said, he said, and this muddying the waters is unfortunate because culture is real. It's insane. And he said, cancel culture is real. It's insane. It's growing exponentially, and it's coming to a neighborhood near you. And he was concerned because he says, you know, it's not just left wing or right wing. It's everybody. It's canceling everybody. So they're all using tit for tat against each other, and it's getting a bit messy out there. Don't you, don't you find it gets, how many just get tired? You just get tired. I'm exhausted. Good old cat in a hat. This is Dr. Seuss. This, my very first Facebook uh, picture of myself was this. Very first time I started a Facebook site, this was me. This was what would pop out if you tried to find me. And it says, be who you are and say what you feel because those who mind don't matter and those who matter don't mind. And I think that's interesting. I thought that was cute and good, but I'm not, I'm not sure anymore if it really is because basically saying there's a whole group of people, I don't give a rip about them, so who cares? And I really do, I actually do. And I don't want to silo myself with people who think just like me. I don't want to find myself in a little circle. If you don't think like me, who cares, go away. I actually want to be very inclusive and not exclusive. Yes. I want to be challenged by people who think different That's than I do. Good. And if I've said something that causes somebody to care, 
I want to know why, and I want them to talk to me, and I want to say, did we offend each other? Did, did something happen? Because I want to win my brother. I don't want to say some people matter and some people don't. So, you know, that's a great, it's a great quote. I thought it was, but I don't know anymore. That's, um, that's part of our library at home. When you come in our door, we've got a library there. And uh, uh, that's part of my bookshelf. And there's my, I have a kid's section in my bookshelf because I have two granddaughters. And when they come over, they'll pull the book off the shelf. I think maybe I need to diversify that. I need it to be broader. But I have 11 uh, books from Dr. Seuss. I have 11 Dr. Seuss books. And I have to say that uh, Green Eggs and Ham is my favorite. Amen. Very, very close is the cat in the hat. You know, but, but Green Eggs and Ham, I just, you know, Sam I am. Green Eggs and Ham. I'll have them in a car, I'll have them. Don't you like that? I just love the flow of how it goes. Now, now uh, there are some things that happen. Oh, leave that one for a sec. Some things have happened with, with uh, some people are very upset and they think Dr. Seuss got canceled. I think you need to research and really figure things out before you do a lot of stuff, but it really is his foundation themselves decided that, you know, six books might be questionable right now. And so they're not saying don't read them or take them off your shelves, but they're saying, you know, we're, we're not going to publish them. And so they've taken a responsible action that they're saying, you know, some people care, some people are offended by what we did. And I know you have to be like, well, how far does that go? Well, they decided we should deal with it. They took six books and they removed them. And you have to understand that uh, uh, Theodore Seuss Giesel, who, who uh, uh, was the writer of these books, that when the Second World War started, I'm not trying to out the guy or bash the guy, the Second World War started, he was a verbal uh, opponent of the Japanese, and he wanted all the Japanese to put, all the Japanese in North America, he said they should be put in camps. We should round them all up and put them in camps. And he actually wrote cartoons about that. He did. And, you know, later on in life, you realize that was really wrong. He said it was wrong for me to do that. How many are willing to let somebody change? Amen. Anybody, anybody willing to give somebody a break? How many, have, how many have changed a little bit in the last few years? How many don't think the same way you did a year ago? You know, hopefully you're still growing. You know, you know what happens when you're, uh, you stop being green? You start becoming rotten. So stay green, stay growing, because the only alternative is you're going to start to rot. So stay fresh, stay aware, stay about what's... Even God says, as Michael said, there's a preceding word. God says, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? Yeah. So never get stuck. Never silo in and narrow yourself and say, I just hang out with people that think like me. That's dangerous. How are you guys doing? Awesome. Let's hope I don't get canceled after this. But you see, there are times where, and we all jump on stuff. We all get offended. We throw stuff. And then Werner told me at breakfast on Thursday that Mr. Potato Head was having problems as well. I didn't understand that because I understood there was a whole potato head family. So I, I don't know what was really going on there, but Werner reminded me of Mr. Potato Head because he said I told a joke at his wedding about Mr. Potato Head. I'd forgotten all about that. I'd totally forgotten that. I don't even know if that joke is appropriate today. I don't want to be canceled. I, I have to give you context though. Werner was marrying Kristen and Kristen has a black belt in karate of several degrees. She is actually this close to being a master kung fu artist. No kidding. Like, I watch on the uh, internet sometimes, and she's showing us how she kicks things. I'm like, Lord have mercy. So I just thought I'd give Werner some wisdom. And I said, I don't know, Werner. I, I think maybe the best, uh, you know, best husband for Kristen might be Mr. Potato Head, because he's tanned, he's cute, he knows how to accessorize. 
And if he looks at another woman, Kristen can rearrange his face. Now, I know I could be freaking some people out right there, right? So that was a risk. That was a risk. All right, consequences. Listen, it is not cancel culture when you do something absolutely deplorable and people remove all your books from distribution. You get moved. See, pastors and people like me, the Bible says, if you want to be someone who preaches the Word of God, you are going to be held to higher scrutiny and discipline. It says, that's why it says you should not lay hands on anyone suddenly. And that is in regard to ordination and setting them apart to office in a church. And it says, don't promote a novice. Because when you put somebody in that place, you've put them in a place where there's higher scrutiny. So, you know, when, when a pastor is preaching the good news, talking about the grace of God, and then he rapes women and has affairs with women and does all kinds of other stuff. And yet he's the answer man. And then you find out the guy's life was a total train wreck. Right there, that's not cancel culture. That's consequences of brutal behavior. I have a, a working agreement with this church that there are certain behaviors that will not be tolerated. And I know that if I behave a certain way as a pastor, I could be canceled. Carl Lentz was also canceled, and he was canceled because he was having an affair with his wife and doing things in the leadership of the church that were wrong. Now, that's not cancel culture run amok. That's actually church discipline. And that happens. Like I read in Titus, right? Warn a person once, twice, third time, have nothing to do with them. But when you're in leadership, how many are, all right, well, this, is, this is really an interesting sermon, Pastor. I mean, my goodness, is it okay? Is it all right? You know, tell us about the Holy Spirit falling in Pentecost. Woo! I'm talking, to, we're doing some in-house business here. Galatians 6, 1 to 5. You ready? Brethren, if any person is overtaken in misconduct or sin of any sort, you who are spiritual, responsible, and controlled by the Holy Spirit should set him right and restore and reinstate him without any sense of superiority and with gentleness. See, if you don't know the people and you want to write a bunch of stuff on some blog, you're not involved in the situation at all, but you want to share your opinion, that's not what the Bible's talking about. It's talking about people you know, you're engaged with, you have a responsible relationship with, then you've got a responsibility to engage. Amen. And it says, it qualifies that you who are spiritual should do that, controlled by the Holy Ghost. All right, look, look, overtake it. To take by surprise, unexpectedly. You know, how many intentionally decided to be an evil dog and a sinner? I mean, I just woke up and said, I'm going to sin big time today. Woo! You know, sometimes people go through stuff, they fall on their head, and they... They didn't premeditate being a moron. I have to watch my language here, my words. I feel scrutinized already. I feel like the food critic is in the house. <laughs> Trespass, a stumbling aside, a false step. It's a spiritual, pneumaticos, a person gifted with spiritual frame of mind, spiritually affected to restore, to restore from a forfeited condition, to reinstate. So there's a responsibility when, when people fall. It says of any sort of sin, any sort, any sort of fall, it says we are responsible to restore. We're not called to cancel. Sometimes we are called to correct and to address things. Thank God I have people in my life that have absolute permission. I have a pastor. My pastor has a name. It's John Christensen. And John knows I call him regularly, do little checkups. How are you doing? And I lie to him and tell him I'm fine. No, I don't. I want to be honest with him and share my life. I mean, I'm not going to tell you to have accountable relationships. If I don't, I do. I got people who I, you, you hold. There's times I want to quit. I want to run. He holds the keys to the exit signs of my life. 
And he puts it behind his back and says, you're not quitting. Let's work this out. <laughs> you know, there's times you want to run. Somebody else should hold the exit signs in your life so you can think about this for a second. I know you're in a lot of pain, but don't do that right now. Don't make life decisions when you're in pain. That's good. All right. Keeping an attentive eye on yourself, lest so you be tempted to also bear or carry another's burdens and troublesome moral faults. Carry another's troublesome moral faults. Bear another person's troublesome moral faults. Ew. And in this way, what? You fulfill perfectly the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? A new commandment I give you that you love one another as I have loved you. You know what? You love one another when you carry their moral faults. Yes. I'm not hanging out with you anymore! You know, we got to bear with one another, and that, that takes time, right? The Messiah, you complete what is lacking in your obedience to it. For if any person thinks himself to be somebody too important to condescend and shoulder another's load when he's a nobody of superiority except in his own estimation, he deceives and deludes and cheats himself. But let every person carry, scrutinize, examine, and test his own conduct and his own work that he can have a personal satisfaction and joy of doing something commendable in itself alone without resorting to boastful comparison of his neighbor. For every person will have to bear and be equal to and understand and calmly receive his own little load of oppressive faults. Amen. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Yes. How many are enjoying this so far? Come on. How many are still stuck at Mr. Potato Head? Be honest. Thank you. I appreciate it. See that hand? All right. Okay. Matthew 18. Here's right here. You ready? If you haven't paid attention yet, pay attention now. Moreover, if. Say if. Yes. And this is a conditional if. It's not a since if. It's an if. There's five Greek ifs and this if is really if. It's an if. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, tell everybody about it, smear him, slam him from here to thither and hither and four. No, it says if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If we would do that, that right there, if we would always honor that verse alone, we would stop 99.9% .9 of the nonsense that happens in community. See, because you tell 10 other people about it, then you work out your relationship with your friend. You forgot to tell the 10 other people, and you're now buddies again, and they all still think he's an idiot. You should have never involved them in your problem in the first place. Because here's another if. If. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. What's the goal here? The person who's offended me, I desperately want them to stay in my life. The reason you confront somebody isn't you are messed up. No, I love you. Let's talk about something I'm concerned about. Yes. But here's what you need to do. If he says, that's rubbish, you're wrong. Oh, well, what do I do now? Well, now you go find out. You bring a few other friends with you, and we detail the situation. And you do that because he might be right. What you're offended about is wrong. You are absolutely wrong thinking that he sinned against you. You got some creepy imagination in your head that you've let cause a relationship to go sideways. Stop it. That's good. See, sometimes when you think somebody sinned against you, they really did it. But our whole goal here, what is our goal here? To win the argument. No. Our goal here is to win our brother. Yes. To win our brother. I don't want to cancel anybody. I want to win people, right? All right, so you go tell it, and if he hears you, you've gained again. You've gained your brother. But if he will not hear, and it's been established, yep, yeah, it. you shouldn't have done that. I don't give a rip, Baba. If he won't listen, it says, then you got to take it to the church. you got to take it to the church. If he refuses to listen to the church, it says, let him beat you as a heathen and a tax collector. May the Lord bless the reading of his word.
See, now take it to church. What's that mean? You take it to church leadership. You take it to the body, and then they're going to say, dude, you're really, you're really not going to take responsibility for this. We want to win you. We want to help you. We love you too much to leave you like this. And he refuses to listen. Then you got to treat him like a tax collector and a heathen. So here's the big question. How do you treat heathens and tax collectors? You love them. You may not make them your prayer partners. You may not go to them for a word of knowledge about you know, what's happening in your life. But you know what? You will hang out with them. You will go to their wedding. You will go to their children's bar mitzvah. You will, you will do life with them because you love them. And because you want to gain them, you want to win them. But they have shown that they're not going to value the community that you're in. So you're probably not going to make them a small group leader at the next small group session. But you are going to love them completely. You're going to honor them in every way. And you're praying and believing that there's still an opportunity for transformation. All right. Who wrote this gospel, by the way? Who wrote Matthew? Matthew. was the trick question? Who wrote Matthew? Matthew. What was Matthew? A tax collector. What did Jesus do with tax collectors? He loved them, put them on his team, said, follow me. Turns them into apostles. So good. All right. A couple of quotes. I'm going to go really fast now because uh, I'm already over time. But uh, uh, this is an article, uh, Reviving Intellectual Hospitality. I just love that, don't you? Reviving Intellectual Hospitality. Who do you let in to your brain? Reviving Intellectual. Uh, welcome to the way I think. It's, because this is basically preaching is intellectual hospitality. I'm letting you join my mindset for a little while. Lord have mercy. <laughs> Thank God we only visit his head once on Sunday. You know? But here's what, here's what uh, Cherry Harder said this, just this month. She said... We are so focused on the darkness in others that we can no longer see clearly. The irony is that while partisans are busy asserting their, uh, what, that their opponents are evil and stupid, the very act of doing so widely replicated as it is and provoking a corresponding vitriol from the other side renders the public discourse and character as a whole ever more callous, clueless, and cruel. We are becoming what we denounce. The very act of denouncing and canceling somebody else is actually manifesting the thing that you say you abhor. And so we're propagating this cyclical nonsense that we keep on going, 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 going. Now, I do absolutely believe people need to be responsible, accountable when they've previously done things to people. But I do think some of it does go a bit too far. Alan Jacobs' book, How to Think, he said, to think independently of, of another, to think independently of other human beings is impossible. To think independently of other human beings is impossible. And if it were possible, it would be undesirable. For you to be separate from every other thinker in the world and just think for yourself, it's undesirable. Thank God it's impossible. Thank God that we are all influenced by the bigger group. Thank God. Like some people go, we hate groupthink. I don't mind groupthink. I don't need everybody in a messy middle. I don't need everybody to silo and think the same. Thank God people think differently. In church history, it was because people thought differently that we came to a place of understanding what truth was. Amen. Somebody had to think stupidly for us to come back and say, yeah, that's not right. This is the truth. You know, you know sometimes it's another person in tension with you that causes you to come to the fullness of what revelation really is. But some people want groupthink. They want to silo together. And I only want to hang out with people who think just like me. This is not a one-thought think tank church. This isn't a church where we all, you have to think like the pastor, you can't be here. That's one of the values we have is that we celebrate differences. Amen. That's good. Come on. Tension isn't bad. Tension is actually healthy. It's okay. 
Thank God I've got people in my life who do not at all see the world as I do, but I revere them, I honor them, I respect them, and I thank God for them because they've helped me so much. Amen. All right, I've got to move along. So it would be wrong. Uh, Matthew chapter 7, 1 to 2, Judge not that ye be not judged, for if you, with what judgment you judge, is the same, it's measured back to you, and it'll be measured back to you the same way you judge, right? So the, the, the weapon you use to judge is the same weapon that's going to be used on you. I know this seems polite in the Bible, but let me read it from the message because, you see, the many are word-for-word -word translations. The message is thought-for-thought -thought translation. It's a little bit different. But the message says it this way. Don't pick on people. Don't jump on their failures and criticize their faults unless, of course, you want the same treatment. That critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. It's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and be oblivious to the ugly sneer on your own. Do you have the nerve to say, let me wash your face for you, when your own face is distorted by contempt? It's this whole traveling roadshow mentality all over again, playing the holier-than-thou part instead of just living your part. Wipe that ugly sneer off your face, and you might be fit to offer a washcloth to your neighbor. Amen. Now, the point is, your neighbor still needs the smudge removed. The point is, we need it. When I start preaching, I got a piece of lettuce on my tooth, I need somebody to tell me, Pastor, you've got dinner on your tooth. Because while I'm preaching, if nobody says it, nobody hears a word I say, they're all just going, he's got lettuce on his tooth. <laughs> you know, I want people who love me enough to say, hey, you've got to fix that. But you know what? Don't go around saying it's your job to fix other people's stuff when your stuff ain't right. Amen. You know, but we do have to help each other. Therefore, that's why, that's why if we are going to judge, we need to judge correctly because we need to help each other. But, but don't be a know-it-all. That's never any fun, is it? Is it? How are you guys doing? You still okay? Yeah. All right. You can send me an email, 1 to 10. It's all good. I'll see it and I'll press delete. Okay. So. <laughs> Proverbs 26, 17. You grab a mad dog by the ears when you butt into the quarrel. That's none of your business. You grab a mad dog by the ears when you butt into a quarrel, that's none of your business. My parents used to tell me an awful lot, that's none of your business. I thought everything was my business. I got opinions on stuff. My parents said, you know what, that's none of your business. My parents always said, if you're not close enough to those people and in that relationship, you don't have the right to have an opinion. If you don't have a way or you are not a vehicle to bring restoration or love in that situation, back off and keep your penis yourself. All right, just pastoring right now, just pastoring a little bit. How many like being pastored? All right, you know. When are we doing the Holy Ghost sermon? It's on Wednesday night. We'll prophesy. We'll heal everybody. Come Wednesday night. I promise we do that every Wednesday night. Right, Joey? We do so. We do the stuff. Right now we're pastoring. Romans 12, 17, 18. Don't hit back. Discover the beauty in everyone. If you've got it in you, if you've got it in you, get along with everybody. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. It's, I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. Psalm 89, 13 to 15. You, your arm, Lord, is powerful. Your hand is strong. You, at your right hand, you get the victory. Equity and justice are the foundation of your throne. Loyal love and faithfulness characterize your rule. How blessed are the people who worship you, O Lord, and experience your favor. Fantastic verse. What is his throne? The foundation of his throne is equity and justice. So God is a God of justice. Proverbs 24, 23. It's wrong, very wrong, to go along with injustice. So pastor, you're saying just let stuff happen. I'm really not. It is wrong. It is very wrong to just go along with injustice. When you see injustice, you should find a way to get involved. You should think about what's my role because this is wrong. 
There are many things. We've got a whole ministry for homeless people. We pastor homeless people because you know what? Homelessness is wrong. It's an injustice. Something is broken. It needs to be dealt with. And so we engage there. We, we support ministries and, and different places that help with, with different stuff. We, we minister in other communities where there's poverty, where there's poverty all around the world in Haiti and in India and other places. We get engaged and we get involved. We support, we teach, and we train. We do all we can because you know what? It is wrong. It is very wrong to go along with injustice. When Jesus came to his father's house, he saw that they were, they were excluding people because they had developed a new system of worship. And some people came and they couldn't afford to worship. And they, were, they were discarded. If we couldn't rip them off, then we don't want them here. And when Jesus saw people had come to connect with God and they had made connecting with God difficult, so Jesus flipped over tables and he kicked everybody out. You know why he did that? Because they were racist, they were bigots. And he said, these people are making it hard for other people to connect with their Heavenly Father. He says, this is wrong. And when you make it hard in any way for people to connect with God, if you got your own little silo of we all think this way and you got to be like us to be connected, that's wrong. You got to blow that silo up and you got to engage. You got my wife looking at me right now, so I got to wrap it up. Are you ready? Wrap it up. Jesus came to cancel sin, not people. Jesus called us to recruit, not to prosecute. All right? So let us love one another. We're going to do communion. Are you ready? So get your cups out and let's go. I'm probably full-time, overtime. Am I overtime, Cheryl? Thank you. Appreciate that. I got a quote for you. I'm going to read this. Listen, look at it. It says, so let us love others and let them know it. Let us take the time to build meaningful relationships. Let us love, support, and encourage others. Let's walk in their shoes. Let their heart break ours. Let's celebrate with them. Let's get dirty, helping them put their lives back together. Let's not take shortcuts, but love. Let us laugh with people. Really listen to them. Learn to ask better questions. Stop giving unsolicited advice. Let us love without an agenda. Let us enlarge our life with people. And that's Kelly Mihalicek. That's our kids' pastor. She writes a blog every Monday, and she puts it out. And that's what she put out this Monday. And I read that and said, I want to be more like Kelly. <laughs> I hope you're okay. I know I talked about cancel culture, and I hope you're not offended. I hope you'll still love me. But you know, folks, we, we have a responsibility. Let me go back to one thing. If your brother has sinned against you, in your opinion, go to him yeah. alone. 99% of the nonsense would get dealt with right there. Can I get an amen? amen? Amen. I thought my wife was going to cancel me there. It's not that hard. If the pastor's too slow for you, yell at him from the back. Hey, the body of Christ. Look around. The body of Christ. People for you to love, to care for, to honor above yourself, and esteem is better than you. And Jesus esteemed you. He esteemed you so much, he died for you. You know what he said about you? You're to die for. And if you're going to judge somebody, please be willing to die for them first. And he died for you. I love you, and I thank God that you're in my life, and I appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you for putting up with me when I'm weird, because I promise to put up with you when you're weird. Amen. Thank you for the body of Christ. Healing in Jesus' name. Amen.
blood of Jesus. There's power in the blood. Every single one of my sins, past, present, and future, was covered at the cross. When did my sin of tomorrow get dealt with 2,000 years ago? When did the sin that I may commit a year from now, when was it covered? When was it forgiven? 2,000 years ago. I just have to say thank you, Jesus, that I'm forgiven, healed, and free. I thank you for the blood that never loses its power. I thank you for the blood that cleanses me. I thank you that I am cleansed. I'm not trying to yet cleanse. I'm remembering what you did on my behalf to make me absolutely holy and righteous in your sight. Not just in your sight, but in reality. Absolutely, forensically. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Why? Prove it. You ready? The blood. The blood. The blood of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Wow, that was good. I, I told Cheryl I got 40 slides today. I don't know how I did it. And I actually removed a whole bunch, but there it is. I hope that was helpful. just want to talk about us as a community. We are Impact Church, and we love each other intentionally and on purpose and in every way. And you know what? God is totally depending on you. There's no plan B. There's no plan B. It's the church. And he's going to do it. God's going to do great things. He's going to do greater things in the days to come yeah. than we've ever known before. There are greater manifestations of his purpose and power in the world has never seen it all. And he's still going to use the church. He's going to use us. And there is an outpouring of spirit like you've never known. The latter rain and the former rain are going to come together. And we're going to see miracles like never before. And activity from heaven that will blow your mind. And we're coming into it. Just want to tell you real quickly, real quickly. This building is sold. It's going to be closing at the end of April. we got four more months. We're going to lease the building. We're going to stay for four more months. Uh, the deal we did have it fell apart they're coming back to us may want us to do the deal but i kind of feel like that door was shut by god i kind of feel that that was a big bold statement right there but uh, we got a couple other opportunities and meeting with the design builder tomorrow we've talked with the city we're meeting with the planners at the city looking at rezoning several different properties we're looking at and i believe there's an opportunity before us that's going to blow our minds Amen. it's going to open a door for us to do things that'll cause southwestern ontario to be flooded with impact churches yeah. revealing the goodness of god and so I'm committed to that. I'm believing for that. I'm not going to relax my grip on that, but we're going to see that happen. Amen. So that was a quick little commercial. We have next steps happening right now. If you're new here, you've never been there before, you can go to next steps. Where do they go? Who's leading them? Madeline, are you leading them? Madeline right back there. She's going to help you find next steps. And if you're new here, never been here, we just want you for like 10 or 15 minutes just to tell you a little bit about us. There's four next step classes. You can gain some information. You can actually get a really quick snack and something to drink. It's all been set aside, been left aside for days so that there's, it's, it's safe. It's safe. You know, so you're gonna, it's going to be safe for you to have. You know, it's, it's wrapped up and it's fresh. I don't mean it's been left out for days so, you know, the food critic would say, don't eat there. But we want to get a chance to talk to you a little more. You want to learn a little bit more about who we are. Please, you're welcome to go online. If you want to do that online, it's there for you too. You can go to Next Steps online. All right. Otherwise, we love you. We bless you. We honor you. Jesus loves you. He's absolutely nuts about you. And so let me pray for you. You ready? Come on. Why don't you stand on your feet? You got to go out that way, folks. When you go, go that way. There's cleanser at the door. You can cleanse your hands. Disrespect people's space as we go. All right. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your great love. I thank you for this beautiful community. I thank you, Father, that uh, we have a culture here that's intentional and on purpose. And it's a culture of God's unfailing love. We are absolutely committed to each other. And we are committed to, I'm committed to conversations. 
I'm committed to having conversations with everybody because I don't know everything and I might need to change some of the ways I think and I'm committed to having conversations with people that I believe will help me broadenly and cause me to grow. And I thank you for everybody that you put in my world that is there to help me be a better person. And I thank you for the power of God in me. And I thank you that Holy Spirit, you don't just do it yourself. Sometimes you use a person in a body right across from me to share the truth with me. And I'm willing to learn from anybody. And I thank you, Father, for that. So Lord, I bless this house. I bless each one here. I pray if anyone needs to know you, I pray that they would have heard your goodness today and just say, yes, Papa, come on in. Jesus invade my heart and my life. So I bless them now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. God bless you. Bless you guys. Have an awesome day. So happy to see you. Amen.